Thank you in advance. We love you, Lord. Have your way in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we, uh, can we welcome up our pastor, please? everybody so uh, I think it's gonna be a short message this morning because my notes here in my tablet only has 17% power left so that's all you're gonna get actually my, my beautiful bride back there has my laptop so it'll be born again if this thing dies I'll grab the laptop but man I'm, I'm happy to be here as well I appreciate uh, the worship this morning appreciate uh, Gary as you in our offering um, and even just sharing thank you um, in regards to you know your mother or excuse me your grandmother passing away and here you are with us is that me there we go there we go I think we got it <clears throat> but here we are in the house of God being together worshiping together giving together seeking the Lord together and uh I just feel like he's, he's definitely up to something, and I'm glad that we all get to, get to be a part of it this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen? So we started our series last week titled Hope, Healing, and Hurricanes. And you can even see from the picture here, uh, we got a lot of feedback over this last week that apparently a lot of people needed some hope. A lot of people uh, were longing for some healing and going through some things. Uh, one of the things that we talked about is uh, that all of us additionally were going through some type of storm. You know, when we looked at hurricanes, some of us might have been in a category one hurricane that, you know, you feel it and you know that it's there, but it's not too overwhelming. Others might have been in a category five hurricane where they either came crawling into the church and barely made it or didn't even make it into the church and are just struggling so many different ways. storm. Technical storm, microphone storms. Is it a battery issue? Did we change them? We didn't? We did? Oh, then we should be good to go. Let me keep these ones just in case. I might have to... Oh, it's me. I un untwisted this thing, I think. So it's okay? it's okay? Amen. Some of you thought you're going to get out extra early today. So anyhow, these, these storms of life, this hope that we need, this healing that we need, these different types of storms, we're all in a storm. Some of us may be really going through it. Some of us may be feeling actually pretty good. And what we talked about was that means that the Lord is protecting us in the middle of this storm, not that there is no storm. We need to be aware of that for ourselves so that we can glorify God and be grateful to him, but also for the others who are having this torrential downpour upon them. And it couldn't have been more fitting, as, as uh, Gary shared this morning, that the church is uh, designed by God to be able to provide for one another in, in uh, every season, good seasons, bad seasons, uh, stability and in storms, uh, and to care for one another. So this morning, 
We're going to continue on with our series, um, Hope, Healing, and Hurricanes. It's going to be week number two, and the title of the message this morning is The Voice. Say The Voice. voice. Say The Voice. The voice. All right. So The Voice is a show. Raise your hands if you're here, if you've seen the show The Voice. All right. So most everybody has a point of reference, but The Voice is this show about people who think they have a voice that the world needs to hear. Say amen. Right. You don't go on the voice because you don't want to be heard. You go on the voice because you're like, I got a skill. I got a talent. I can sing. And you know what? The only problem I have is that the world has not heard my voice yet. And once they do, this world is going to be forever changed because of me. The voice has a panel of judges that have already established their voice. Right. They're on the show and they get to be judges because one day they said, I have a voice that the world needs to hear. And so far, it looks like they turned out to be telling the truth. They became famous, they're artists, they're singers, they're talented, and the world receives their voice and listens to what they want to say and what they want to sing. So now they get to judge the voices of others, right? Every now and then, the voice uh, reaches out to the masses, to the world, to the audience, and says, you know what, we want to engage you, and you get to, vo to vote on the voices that you want to hear and the voices that you don't want to hear, right? Make us think that we have some power and some authority in what we listen to and what we don't listen to. So the point of this is that there's a lot of voices out there right now and there's a lot of judging and everyone thinks that their voice deserves to be heard. Do you know that there's like a million spinoffs of the show, The Voice? I was looking this up earlier and there's, there's The Voice, then there's The Voice Kids, there's The Voice Seniors, for old people who want their voice to be heard. There's The Voice UK. There's The Voice India. Like, there's a list of... I stopped reading them because there were so many voices. Once, once uh, you know, this, this industry found out that people wanted to, to have this show, The Voice, they just let it run, right? So now there's so many voices, millions of voices all over the world that just need to be heard. So I couldn't think of a better example to describe the world that we're living in right now. There's more voices than ever. There's more judging than ever. And to be honest with you, it's driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy because it's so rare right now to find voices that are in line with the word of God and the voice of God. We've got more voices than ever. We've got more judging than ever. It's worldwide, but there's so few voices that are actually in line with the word of God and in line with the voice of God. That is driving me crazy. Even within the church, the voices are off. <clears throat> the church right now is like watching a movie in a foreign language. You guys ever watch a movie that it was filmed in a foreign language, so then they overlay it with, with English? Yeah. And for those of you that watch a movie like that, as soon as you turn it on, you know something's wrong, right? <laughs> the lips are moving, but the words aren't coming out right, and then this is what it comes down to. If the movie is good enough, you'll deal with that, right? Because you really like the movie and it's engaging. Like you don't care that the voices are off and it doesn't seem quite right. You just try to block that out, right? That's what it's like right now, I think, a lot of times when it comes to the church and when it comes to Christians. Something's not quite right in what we're saying. It's off just a little bit. You listen to what some things that are being preached. You watch what some Christians are posting, and it's like, you know, it's pretty good. <laughs> There's something in there that seems Christian. 
There's enough in there that's kind of holding my attention. And I feel like this might be godly. But for those of us who are really paying attention, we know something just ain't quite right. The voices are off. The church is off. The Christians are off just a little bit. This morning, instead of focusing on all of those voices, all the judges and all the things that aren't quite right, we're going to go straight to the hope for what it is that I believe we're suffering from. Right? This, series, this series is about hope and healing. It's about hurricanes and storms. So believe me, if, if anybody's ever wanted to be an additional voice to tell you how bad it really is with the things that are going on and things that are being said, I would love to, but let's just go straight to the hope. Let's go straight to the answer. Amen? Amen. So last week when we talked about this, we said that hearing a word from God, hearing the voice of God, um, is actually where we find the hope. For those of you who were here or had a chance to listen to the message, we said that, you know, the storm is going to be happening. And instead of praying for God all the time to stop the storm and to, to put us into safety, that sometimes right in the middle of the storm is where we can actually hear the voice of God. And we don't need our surroundings and circumstances to change. What we need to change is to actually hear the voice of God. And that's where we actually begin to have hope. And that's where healing can begin to start, right? So this morning, again, with this idea of the voice, we want to talk a little bit more about uh, how can we get that word from God? How can we uh, be able to hear his voice so that we can find that hope and get moving into healing? Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that there is no other God that speaks. <laughs> You're the only God that exists. You're the only God that speaks. You're the only God that reaches out and touches your people, Lord God. You're the only one that wants us to know not only what you've done in the past, what you're doing right now, and what you have planned for tomorrow and for next week and for next year and on into eternity, Lord God. Our hope this morning is that you would be able to help us to tune our ear to hear your voice, Lord. There's so many voices. There's so many judges. It's not only external to us, but within us, there are voices and there is judgment, Lord God. Our desire this morning is to be able to hear your voice, that you would speak loudly, that you would speak clearly, Lord God, and that there would be an impact from what it is that you have to say, that there would be a shifting in this place, in every heart, in every mind, Lord, that we would no longer uh, uh, carry ourselves the way that the rest of the world is carrying themselves right now, Lord, that we wouldn't just uh, be satisfied and accept, Lord, voices that are just a little bit off, Lord, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, Lord. We need the true voice, the righteous voice, the holy voice, that you would speak to us, Lord God, and that we would deny everything else and everyone else and every other voice, Lord God. Have your way in this place this morning. Have your way in these hearts and in these minds. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. So here's, here's what it comes down to. If we're going to hear the voice of God, if we're going to hear from God, there's some things that have to happen. We have to stop happening. So number one, is we've got to stop talking. <laughs> Say, shut up. Oh, you guys, you guys are so Christian. You guys are so Christian right now. You're like, I can't say that. I can't say that. In our house, you're not allowed to say that. That's why I paused before I told you to say it. My kids get all over us if we say that. But it's okay. You guys are grown folks. Everybody say, shut up. Shut up. We got to stop talking. How can you hear God if you're talking? Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27, it says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint 
And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Even fools are looked at as wise if they just don't say anything. Be quiet. Stop talking. Here's some some encouragement for you. God is probably not trying to tell you something for the first time. More than likely, he's trying to remind you of something that he's already said. And if you stop talking long enough, you'll be able to hear him remind you. Many of us, when we come into prayer or when we get into these seasons, we're like, we need a word from God. We need to hear from God. And we start going through all this stuff. We're looking for a new word. We're looking for that 2020 word for the moment. And he's like, no, I just want to tell you what I've already told you. I want to remind you of something. Stop looking for the new and the novel and the, the, the future thing that's coming. No, he's like, listen, I told you already and you just didn't listen because you wanted to talk. So be quiet and let me tell you again. Another thing that I think that God is trying to say to us this morning is that when he does speak to us, and the reason why he's having to remind us is because we have not acted on what he said. He wants to tell us something that he's already told us, and then he wants us to act upon what it is that he's saying. When God speaks, he doesn't speak just to be heard. He speaks to be responded to. Let me say that again. You know how it is with some of us? Like, we just like to hear our own voices. We just want to talk. We don't even care if the other person, if they just give us a, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's enough to keep us going. God is not like that. He doesn't want to hear, "Uh uh-huh, that's right, amen, preach it. What he wants to see is feet moving. He's like, I'm talking to you because I expect action. When God speaks, it's not just because he wants to be heard. He expects action. God said, let there be light. And you know what his expectation was? Is that light was going to burst forth into the the world, into existence. He didn't just say it so he could say, oh, yeah, I said that. Did you remember when I said that? He expects action. Ask yourself this morning, when God speaks to you, is there immediate action? Is there this let there be light and light springs forth in your life? then why would he tell us something new or the next thing if we have not responded to the first things? Light cannot be having its own conversation and over-talking God and declaring things that it has no authority to declare, right? Imagine if light, when God says, let there be light, imagine if light was like, oh no, I'm having this conversation over here and doing my own thing. And I'm talking about all these other things that I think need to happen and need to come into existence and need to be created. That's not light's responsibility. That's not light's um, purpose. Many of us are having other conversations. Many of us are declaring things that we have no power or authority to be declaring when God is the one that is trying to speak. And God is expecting us to react and to act and to respond. You know that we're the only creatures that do that? The only ones that do not respond to God when he speaks? He created everything and everything responds to him when he speaks except for you and I. Everything listens. Even Jesus said it, right? When, when, uh, when they were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and they said, tell your disciples to be quiet. He said, the rocks will cry out if they're quiet. Everything I've created responds to me when I speak. And yet God is patient with us. And God is gracious with us. We've got to stop talking so that we can listen and respond. I want to read from Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 5. This is going to be our main portion of Scripture. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and flip to Luke 1. If you're using your phones and apps and stuff, 
Go ahead and get to Luke chapter 1. Starting from verse 5. You guys are quiet this morning. Maybe it's because I told you to say shut up earlier. <laughs> it's okay to say amen still this morning. As long as there's some action behind it. Don't, don't, don't be scared. Amen. So Luke chapter 1 verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn away or excuse me, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself for five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. Stop there, verse 25. So good, this story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and John. In verse 18, it said, Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. The Lord is trying to speak to Zacharias, and Zacharias is trying to speak over him. The Lord has something to say, and Zacharias says, No, nah, that's not going to happen. How can that be? I'm too old. My wife is too old. Those days are behind us. We're just going to keep living for the Lord and living at this level. When Zacharias speaks, what does he declare? Fear and doubt, which leads to inactivity and hopelessness. That's what he put out into the world. God came and spoke something different, but Zacharias has this opportunity to speak, and he says, I'm afraid, right? Not only of what might be ahead of me, but the fact that you're even talking to me, God. I doubt what you've told me, right? 
Therefore, I'm not going to have any type of action. I'm not going to move in the direction that you're telling me that I should go and no hope is produced. We talked about it last week when God speaks and when you hear the word from the Lord, it's supposed to produce hope. But none of that happens. Why? Because Zacharias is deciding to speak instead of listening. We've got to stop talking. How long after this is Zacharias told to stop talking? That's what that's what the Lord says to him, right? Be quiet. Stop talking. And not just for a little while. Many of us have said that, you know what, I just feel like I'm talking too much. We heard from Gary earlier, there's just too much gossip. I'm just going to, I'm going to get off of Facebook. Two days later, we're back on Facebook. <laughs> You're arguing with your spouse. You know what, I'm tired of defending myself. I'm tired of attacking them. I'm just going to be quiet. Two hours later, you're back talking to your spouse, offending them and telling them how you've been offended. When God told Zacharias to stop speaking, how long was he supposed to stop speaking for? Nine months. <laughs> Nine months of silence. The amount of time that it takes for life to be ready to be birthed. If you think that you can go from hopelessness and doubt and fear and get into silence, and then a few hours or a few days later, now you're ready to have life and hope, birth. You're wrong. It takes time for life. Once it is conceived in you, once this word does get into your heart, for it to be ready to actually be birthed out into this world. I think we need some silence. I think we need a season of silence, not just a moment of silence. Isn't it interesting? I hadn't thought about that uh, when somebody passes away or when something significant happens, that's what our nation does, right? That's what most nations do. They say, we're going to observe a moment of silence. I think about that from time to time. Like if it's somebody that's passed away and depending on who it is or what the relationship was, I wonder how many people, like the people that really knew them, they're like, oh, thank you for those 30 seconds. That really made the difference. Right? Thank you for that moment of silence that really honored the 91 years that they lived that really honored the impact that they had upon this world. I don't think God's interested in our moments of silence. He, he wants a season of silence. Amen. We need to stop talking about things that we're not called or qualified to talk about. Amen. I just think it's so funny how we're talking about things that we haven't looked at, we haven't researched, we haven't studied, we don't have any idea about it, but we want our voice to be heard on the issue at hand. And we're listening to other people that have the same lack of qualification and calling. And what do we end up doing? We put doubt and fear into the world. We've got to start listening to the voice of God and responding to what it is that he's saying and care a whole lot less about our own voices being heard. If we, if we do that and when we do that, we're going to look crazy to the world. We're going to look like we don't care to the world, but that's okay. That's actually part of God's plan. Verse 21 and 22 of our scripture today. It says, the people waited for Zacharias and they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple for he beckoned to them, but he remained speechless. So number one, they marveled. Why are you still going to that church? Why were you in there so long? Why are you giving, right? They're marveling. He's still in there. He's still in there. He's still doing that church thing. And then when he comes out, they're like, hey, talk to us. He's like, nope, still speechless. Can't say a word. But eventually in his silence, it says that they recognized that he had heard from God. He had seen God. He got some type of vision. This is a God thing that's going on. How many people look at you and number one can say, hey, they don't say a whole lot, but I guarantee you they're meeting with God. They know God. They're seeing the things of God. 
Gary said that his grandmother would, t would, uh, would call him and, and tell him about these visions that she had that God showed her. This morning, I pulled up to church, and Angela was outside, and she said, hey, I had a vision and a dream from God. I don't know if she said last night or the night before, and when she told me what it was, I said, that's funny because that's exactly what we're doing in the month of September. Why are we listening to people that don't have dreams and visions and words from God when there are actual people around us who are having those things? He came out and he was speechless. Everybody thought he was crazy, but he was right where he needed to be. So number one, we've got to stop talking. Number two, we need to see what the Lord is doing. See what the Lord is doing. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Peter says, We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Say, eyewitness. eyewitness. Say, eyewitness. eyewitness. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in, in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So good. Peter's talking to, to a group of uh, new believers and telling them about the things of God, and he says, listen, we didn't make up stories. These aren't fables. We're not just telling you what we want you to hear and what we think is going on, and it's our voice that you need to hear. He says, no, we were eyewitnesses. We need to be able to actually see what the Lord is doing. There's this silence and there's this listening and then there's this visual of actually seeing God and seeing what the Lord is doing. I remember it was probably about maybe eight to ten years ago. I was asked to, to take part in this church planners thing and we were talking to young couples and young families that were thinking about planning churches and they were asking us questions about different areas of what it was like to, to, to be planning churches. And one of the questions that came to me was like, what does it take to plan a church? Like, what's the, what's the main thing you need or what's the one thing you need? And as if I was some type of authority back then, but still, they asked me. And as I thought through the question, it was real simple. I said, uh, it takes somebody that has actually met Jesus. Like you can think about all the different things that you think a church needs and a church wants and, and, and what would make an effective church plan and how many people do you need and what kind of resources do you need and what kind of degrees do you need and, and all that kind of stuff. And when I, when I kept like, you know, breaking it down and breaking it down, well, no, you don't really need that. What is it that you, need, you really need? Somebody that's actually met Jesus. You need an eyewitness. You need an eyewitness because you can have all that stuff, but if somebody has not actually met Jesus, nothing's going to happen. Or you can have nothing and somebody that's actually seen him and all kinds of good things can happen. That's what Peter's saying here. He's like, listen, we're eyewitnesses. We saw him. And then he said, you know what else? We heard the voice. We were walking with him and all of a sudden a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. How many of us, let's, let's follow that progression. Like, I know many of us need to stop talking. 
But also, I want to ask that question, how many of us have seen him? How many of you right now could say, hey, I, I have no problem talking about the things of God because I see him and I know what he's doing. Number two, see what the Lord is actually doing. I love that uh, they heard the voice of God when they were on the mountain with Jesus. That's what Peter's saying here. We were eyewitness to what he did and who he is, but when we heard the voice of the Father come from heaven, where were we? We were with him on a mountaintop. Amen. Where was Zacharias when God spoke to him? In the church, alone, praying and lighting incense. Amen. Many of us want to hear God. Many of us want to see God, but how many of us find us in those places, silently, in the church, in prayer, long periods of time, in our word, in worship, mountaintop experiences with Jesus? It seems to me that that's where he does a lot of his speaking and a lot of his showing. <clears throat> so let's look at this moment that Peter's talking about on this mountaintop. It's in the book of Matthew, chapter 17. I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, After six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. You're getting a tabernacle. You're getting a tabernacle. You're getting a tabernacle. <laughs> Peter's got a plan and he wants everybody to know about it. You know why? Because he has a voice and his voice needs to be heard. He's got a plan and he knows what to do because he's actually encountered God, right? Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him! And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So, again, in, in the book of Peter, when, when he's telling this story, or he's alluding to this story, right? The Lord has already risen and gone back to heaven, and now he's allowed to talk about it. And he's telling these people about this moment and about this story, what he heard and what he saw. Stop talking and listen and then see what it is that the Lord is doing, right? So Peter, James, and John, they hear some amazing things, but this story is really about uh, what they were allowed to see after they heard, right? Let's look at verse 4 and 5 again. Peter answered and said to the Lord, It's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. God cuts Peter off, and it says, While he was spe still speaking, God says, Stop talking. Listen to my son. Listen to what he has to say. And if you do that, it's then that they were able to see the glory and the plans and the prophecy of God. Right? The glory of God. They, they get to actually see this confirmation that this is God, this is no regular man, this is no regular prophet. As you go through the, through the Gospels, you see how many times Jesus would just kind of clearly tell them who he was, but they didn't understand. Even when he died, 
they were lost because they didn't understand the things that he was saying. But if they would have been able to really see what God was trying to show them in this moment, right? His face started to shine like the sun. All his clothes became white and he was glowing. (laughs) And Peter wanted to talk. He didn't want to listen and he didn't want to see. They would have been able to see this confirmation of the resurrection, right? In uh, this Saturday meeting that we were talking about, it's one of the things we talked about is we get so comfortable with the resurrection because we're Christians in the year 2020. We've heard it so many times. We've been through so many uh, Easter services that the, the idea of the resurrection is kind of second nature to us now. But these people who are hearing these things for the very first time, the ones that are actually receiving these letters that talk about this stuff, it's the most mind-blowing thing that anybody has ever heard of. And imagine if, if they were able to be quiet and just listen to what God was saying and see what God was showing them. All of a sudden, Moses shows up, Elijah shows up, they're talking to Jesus, and it's like, there's resurrection, there's life after death. These people are not dead, they are alive. They would have been able to see that. They would have been able to see that God is a God who plans and God's plans are unfolding. It says that Jesus and Moses and Elijah are talking. You can see them like planning and and saying like, hey, how's it going up there? How's it going down here? Everything's still going according to the plan. Yep, how much longer you got down here, Lord? Oh, I'm going to be going to the cross pretty soon here. Imagine what they would have been able to see. They just shut up. Life beyond this earth, access to that which is beyond this earth. Imagine what you and I would be able to see if we stopped talking and listened for the voice of God. Imagine what God is trying to show us when it comes to our own lives, your future, the plans that he has for you. Is this the topic of discussion? Is this what what you wake up thinking about, go to sleep thinking about, talking to your brothers and sisters about? What is God doing? What is he doing in the church? What is he doing in these families? What is he doing uh, through COVID? What is he doing with our jobs? What is he doing with our kids? Nah, we're just yickety, yackety, yickety, yackety. All day, hear me, let it be said, thus saith me, thus posteth me. And nobody's listening for God. Nobody's looking for God. Nobody is, is wanting to see what I feel like he's trying to show us so desperately. And I'm not just pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing it at myself. I've loved COVID because I haven't had to talk a whole lot to a whole lot of people. I talked about this when we had our invitation series. Like everybody has this, this go-to to deny invitations right now. I've had this go-to to just be quiet for a while now. And you realize that... Uh, Not only your own voice, but there's so many voices that just don't need to be heard. So many things that don't need to be said. And when you make room, you also realize that there's a lot of things that God is trying to say and that God is trying to show us. So number one, we've got to stop talking. Number two, then we'll be able to see what the Lord is actually doing. And finally, number three, then we can say now it's time to speak. Right? Nine months later, but now it's time to speak. So after we've stopped, after we've heard God, and now we've truly seen what God is doing, but how do we know that we've seen what God is doing? I think if we go back to the story of, of uh, Zacharias, the idea that I, that I like here is uh, something is conceived within us. When we see that, when we hear it and when we see it, it's like something is conceived and then it takes time to grow. That idea of a season, that idea of nine months, and now it's ready to be birthed into the world. Then it's time to speak. And I'll say this, what 
is spoken should be somewhat predictable. I'm going to say that again if you're taking notes. When it comes time to speak after that season, after that incubation period, after that time of it's been conceived and now it's grown and it's ready to be birthed out into the world, what should come out of your mouth, what should come out of my mouth when it's time to speak should be somewhat predictable. This is John chapter 12, verse 49. And Jesus says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the father has told me, so I speak. This is what I mean by somewhat predictable. Jesus says, I'm not just going to say whatever it is that I want to say. God has spoken to me and told me what I should say. And that's what I'm going to say when I do speak. When we speak, it should be in line with the word of God. It should be glorifying to God and the focus should be on him and not on us. As Christians, it's got to be that way. And it shouldn't be like a voiceover where something ain't right. (laughs) When I talk to you, when somebody talks to you, when we read your post and it's like, They started off by saying God is the only answer, but then they kind of drifted into this ungodly perspective on the issues of the day. That's that overlay that ain't all God. That's that little bit of leaven leavening the whole lump. If you think for even half a second that what you want to say might not be fully in line with God and what he wants to say, stop talking. Stop posting. It should be fully in line. It should be glorifying to God. It should focus on him being further heard, not on you and I being heard. So I want to close with this. It's going to be the rest of the story of Zacharias, right? When we left him, he was still unable to speak. In Luke chapter 1, we were at verse 25, and there he is, mute, and everybody thinking he's crazy. We're going to pick it up from chapter chapter 1, verse 57. In between there, something happened, I think, Mary got pregnant with Jesus, and then she came with Elizabeth. Kind of important stuff. Read it for yourself. So we skip down. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No. He shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote saying his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around him. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. 
who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace, so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Stop there. Verse 80. What an amazing end to this story. Zacharias. In this story, we see God speak to him. And initially, Zacharias tries to speak over the Lord, right? No, Lord. I can't see that happening. I'm too old. She's too old. Then we see God tell Zacharias, stop speaking, makes him mute for a little bit over nine months. Somewhere in there, we see that Zacharias begins to really hear God and see what the Lord is doing because Elizabeth comes up pregnant, right? In his silence, not before or after, but in his silence, that's where he actually sees what God is doing. He already heard the voice. He's silent, he's hearing God speak to him, and then he could actually see because her belly is growing. Oh, wow, I see you moving, God. Oh, I see that in, in a certain period of time, something's going to happen, something's going to be birthed. We know from what he had to say that God continued to speak to him because there were all this prophecy, all these things that this child was going to be. The other people were wondering what kind of child will this be, will this be but Zacharias knew. Why? Because now he could hear the voice of the Lord. And God had a lot to say. So what's conceived in Zacharias' life? Hope and life. But he remains silent as he's looking at the work of the Lord. And then finally, there's this birth. And it's almost time for Zacharias to start speaking. Say almost. almost. Say almost. almost. Say not yet. Many of us would think like, man, I, I made it nine months of silence. I made it through that season. And now the life is here. Like soon as the baby cries, you're ready to cry out. Right. And have all these things that you want to say and talk about. But it's funny that the Lord, even after the birth, it says that eight days later, it was time for him to be circumcised. They took him to the temple and Zacharias still is silent, still can't speak, still doesn't have anything to say that the Lord feels like the world needs to hear. <laughs> Almost time. But what needs to happen? There needs to be confirmation. God wants confirmation that Zacharias is ready to speak. Here's where that comes. Verse 62 through 64, it says, They made signs to his father. What would he have him to be named or what would he have him to be called? Zacharias asked for a writing tablet and he wrote saying, His name is John. So they, they all marveled and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke praising God. He said his name is John. Not his name should be John, will be John. He says, I haven't spoken a word because there's nothing I need to say. God has already spoken. God named this child. I heard God speak. I saw God work. His name is John. Whether I can say it or not, God has already declared it. Imagine if when we spoke, 
We spoke with this amount of confidence that all I'm saying is what God has already declared. That's what you see happening here. And that's the confirmation that Zacharias had heard God speak and seen what it is that God was doing. And that's when he was able to speak. His, his tongue was loose and, loose and his mouth was open after that confirmation. I wish that God could do that to me and do that to you. <laughs> Not that he could, because I know that he can, but I wish that he would sometimes. But he leaves it up to us. This man, Zacharias, said that they were righteous, they were serving, right? They were in the priestly line. His wife was in the priestly line. They were faithful, all that kind of stuff. And then God said, nope, be quiet. And he closed his mouth. For you and I, all the more reason I wish that he would do that. But he says, nope, I'll leave it up to you. You want to talk? You want to talk over me? You want to be heard? Go ahead. If you want to cause yourself to be quiet, then man, I got a lot to say to you. The confirmation that he was ready to speak is when he declared exactly what it was that God had already declared. He wrote it down and then God said, okay, now you can talk. And what does Zacharias want to say? Now that he's finally able to talk after nine months and a little bit more than nine months, eight days, however many more, he's ready to talk. And verse 67 says, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, saying, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and what he wants to talk about now is the goodness of God. The goodness of God. It's kind of predictable, isn't it? Isn't that what Jesus says? As the Father has told me, so I speak. Whatever is about to come out of my mouth, I can guarantee you it's going to glorify God. It's going to point people to God. It's not going to be about me and what I have to say. It's going to be about the Father and what he has to say. And that's what we see happen in Zacharias' life. He doesn't want to talk about himself. He doesn't want to talk about what he experienced during his nine months of silence and all the good things that God blessed him with. And he just wants to glorify God, prophesy about God and who he is and how he's going to bless his people, how he's going to bless this child. <clears throat> so good. As I look at... Uh, Again, what I'm, what I'm hearing most of the voices out there talking about, and especially those ones that claim to be Christians and claim to be churches and claim to be followers of Christ as they're talking, they've talked more about what they think needs to be said about the current issues in our world, and not one of them have I, have I seen even say the name of Jesus. Talk about God, what they're seeing from God, what they're hearing from God. So these are my two final words of encouragement and direction for you this morning. We're going to pray. Number one, don't listen to the voices out there that aren't truly glorifying God and truly filled with the Holy Spirit. When Zacharias had a chance to speak, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the scriptures tell us, and he glorified God. He prophesied about God and the things of God and what God was going to do. So I want to encourage you guys. It's a simple litmus test. When you see somebody talking, when you, when you uh, see somebody posting, ask yourself, is this person filled with the Holy Spirit? And does this glorify God? If not, stop reading. Amen. And stop listening to them. And for God's sake, don't repost it. Amen. <laughs> Why are we doing that? We're the church. And we're so easily led astray. The, the scriptures do tell us about being led astray things that tickle our ears. 
We got to be better than that. My second word of encouragement and direction for you as we close is don't be another voice out there that isn't glorifying God and isn't filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to him, but don't be one. How sad of a thing it is if somebody's looking to something you've said and they're standing on it and it's so ignorant. If they're looking at something you've posted and they're reposting that, but it's so ignorant, it's so ungodly, and it's so far from the spirit and the will of God. There's nothing prophetic about it. There's nothing life-giving about it. There's nothing hopeful about it. Don't be one of those voices. And if you don't know the difference, even the fool is considered wise when they're silent. <laughs> Just don't say anything. I hate to do this to you, but take a scroll through your friends and your family's pages. Some of the wise ones are the ones that haven't posted in weeks and posted in months. They're actually working through some of these things in silence and in prayer. That are seeking to hear the voice of God and talking amongst uh, men and women of God and praying about these things. That's where we're going to find the hope, church. <clears throat> and it's okay if, if people think you're crazy because you don't want to engage in their conversations. Just because the whole world is talking about it doesn't mean that you have to add your voice to the conversation. Why don't we stand? So as always, the uh, first thing we want to do is pray for salvation. Nothing we talk about matters in this church. <laughs> If it were not for the cross, if it were not for uh, atonement, for sins, for substitution, for help, for hope, for forgiveness. You know, we started off with worshiping this holy God. Then we heard a testimony about a woman who lived her whole life and now has gone home to be with the Lord. We spent the morning talking about the voice of God. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a second. Bow your heads. Those of you who are saved already, begin to pray. We heard this morning about all things being together, all uh, believers being together, being in one accord. We have these moments where we're asking people, would you like to come from death into life? And the believers should be praying into that. So if you're saved this morning, would you begin to pray right now for salvation, for somebody to hear the word of God and the voice of God this morning? and to respond to it, to act upon it. The same way the Lord said, let there be light and there was light. This morning he says, I wanna save you. I wanna forgive you, I wanna heal you. So our prayer is that somebody would respond and act upon that word that they hear. So for all listening, Jesus himself says, the enemy, the thief, the devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy but I have come that you would have life and life more abundantly. That is the word of the Lord. That is Jesus himself speaking, saying that the reason he came is to give you life. He wouldn't have to give you something that you already have. What you may be convinced is life, what you may be convinced is living is not. It's a slow death. Every believer came to realize that they were dying. They were not living. They were dying. They were dead in sins and trespasses. I was dying. I was dead in sins and trespasses. But I heard the voice of the Lord saying, I came to give you life. 
would you have it? The scriptures tell us that all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus to repent of our sins, to say that we know that we are sinners, to we know that we are dying and ask him for forgiveness and ask him for life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, every believer praying, if that's you and you would say this morning that you're not 100% sure that you're saved, you don't know for sure that you've been forgiven, but you want to, you hear the voice of the Lord saying, you do not have life, but I want to give it to you. Would you raise your hand this morning so that I could see you, that we could just pray over you, pray for you, that you would be saved? Raise your hand so I could see you. I see you. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. The scriptures tell us the prayers of the righteous availeth much. I want to thank those that were praying right now. I want to thank the Lord for speaking clearly to your son that he would be able to respond and react this morning to accept you, Lord. Continue to pray. Is there anybody else this morning before we move on that would say, you know what? I feel the Lord. I know he's knocking on the door of my heart. I want to be saved too. Would you raise your hand before we move on so I can see you? Join our brother in salvation. Anybody else this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for our brother, Lord. We thank you that you're, again, reminding us that you're the God who speaks. I thank you, Lord, that just like Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, they got to see you in a new way and in a new light. I pray this morning that many of us, as we stand in a moment of silence, that we were able to see what you did right now, Lord. That eternity has been changed. That destiny has been changed. That a family has been changed. A man has been changed, Lord God. And a future has been changed. Open our eyes to see, Lord God. As we close, I'm going to open the altars. And this is the only request I'm going to make. If God spoke anything to you, again, you can come. We'll have our mask on. You can be prayed for. You can have communion. But here's the request. If you need prayer for the ability to be silent, to listen to God and to see what it is that he's doing, that's what I want to pray for this morning. Again, if there's anything else that God spoke, react, respond. He's saying, let there be light, and he expects light to come forth. If he spoke to you, he expects you to respond. So would you move and come to the altar? But specifically for anybody that feels like, you know what? I don't do well at being quiet. I don't do well at not posting. I don't do well in just waiting on the Lord. God, by his spirit, can empower you to be able to do those things. And that's what I want to pray for you this morning. If you want to be able to hear God, if you want to be able to see what he's actually doing, I want to pray for you that he would give you that ability. So the altars are open. Lord, have your way, Jesus. We thank you for another day in your presence. We thank you for an opportunity to worship you. We thank you for this chance to have communion, Lord, to remember your body, to remember your blood, to remember what it is and what it took for us to be saved. And then we believe, Lord, as eyewitnesses, that you're still alive and that you're moving, Lord. Would you meet those who are here at this altar this morning, Lord, and give them ability, the peace to be quiet, the peace to be silent, the peace to be listening to you for your word and for your direction. Give them eyes to see what you're doing, Lord. Let there be a personal transfiguration in their life where they see you in a way that maybe they have not seen you before, or have not seen you in some time, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship. Altars are open. Would you guys come? Is there anybody else this morning? 